Thank you for listening to the Valley Point Church podcast. We are currently in the series, Fight, Winning the Battles That Matter the Most. We hope it's a blessing to you. One of the battles that we must look in the mirror and fight every day is the battle of anger. And I believe it's fair to say that this emotion inside of us will be our toughest opponent in life. It's a lot of things we battle with, a lot of things we got to put the gloves on and put up a good fight for, but I believe one of the toughest opponents in life is this emotion called anger. We continue the saga of walking through the life of Samson, and for the past several weeks we have just been thinking about how this is an incredibly gifted individual. He is a leader and a judge of God's people. He's been touched by God and given great physical strength. He has so much going for him, but yet what we've discovered is that the pattern of his life is to kind of walk away from God, to take his eyes off of his creator, and just to do what he wants. Last week I talked to you about Samson's mantra. He continued to say, I want it, I deserve it, and I can handle it. And he lived that way. But what we discovered is that he really couldn't handle things. And when he tried to live life his own way, his own selfish way, he found himself in a lot of trouble. And so today, what we're going to discover as we continue in the next chapter of his life is that Samson isn't just a hero. He's an angry hero. And angry heroes aren't really heroes. They're just angry. That's what they are. So here's our big idea for today. And I would encourage you to write this down. We're going to spend our time thinking about this. Don't be scary angry, okay? I want everybody walking out of here in just a little bit saying, I'm going to give my week to living this out effectively. I do not want to be scary angry. And so I just want to take some time today to talk about this battle this fight with anger. Now, to help us get started in thinking about anger, let me ask this question. Is anger a problem today? I don't know. What do you think? Is anger a problem today? If you were to watch the news or jump online and observe human behavior, what do you think you would discover? How would you respond to that? Is anger still a problem today? If you were to study people or even put together an anthropological study on human behavior, how do you think you'd respond to that particular question? Is anger still a problem today or is that yesterday's issue? I think we all know the answer to that, don't we? Seems like as you look, as you observe, as you watch people, and even as we think about ourselves, I believe it's fair to say that anger is still a pretty significant problem. I want to share a story with you that I found in the news that made me laugh a little bit, and so I'm just going to read this to you, and you tell me whether you think this person is angry or not. So here we go. A man in a certain state And we're going to leave out the details so as not to pick on anybody. So a man in a certain state opened fire on his neighbor's home this week using, get this, corn cobs and a homemade potato gun. 
All right, you can laugh at that. that that's kind of funny. Now, this particular gentleman has been feuding with his neighbor for the past 13 years, police say. So this is a 13-year feud. It's really intense. Tuesday night, after a yelling argument between the two, the man loaded corn cobs into a PVC pipe, potato gun, and shot them at his neighbor's house. A girl riding a bicycle nearby dodged a cob, but no one was struck or injured. Good news. When police arrived at the man's home, He was, I think you'll enjoy this, intoxicated, shirtless, and covered in corn kernels. (laughs) And here's the best part. The man told police he didn't shoot at the neighbor. He was just shooting in the direction of his home. Fantastic, right? I think we have to at least give him credit for being creative. And I can see even now some of you are thinking about your neighbors and wondering if maybe this is a good idea. I beg of you, please don't do this, all right? Or at least don't tell anybody where you got the idea. So is this man angry? Yes or no? Yeah, I think it's fair to say that there's a little bit of anger happening on the inside. Here's the deal, though. I think it's very easy for us to identify anger in others. It's very easy to look out and say, oh, he... That, that guy, he's got a problem with anger. Look out, he's a hothead. Or she, boy, she just has a real problem in responding in appropriate ways. She is angry. He is angry. It's really easy to look out and see that in other people. But I think the danger is we often fail to think about and really investigate what lurks within all of us in how we occasionally or maybe even often, respond in angry ways that doesn't put a smile on the face of God. I think it's easy, again, to identify anger out there, but we don't often think about it within us. And so what I hope to do today is jump back into the story of Samson, where we left off last week, and just walk through some of the things that happened. And what we're going to find, what we'll discover as we peel back another layer of his life, is that he gets really angry, and his anger makes a strong man weak. And this is what anger does to all of us. Anger, it makes strong people very weak. And so let's kind of jump into this story. Before we do that, though, I've got a couple of thinking points specifically about anger. Two thinking points. I encourage you to write this down because it'll be helpful for you as we process this emotion in our life. The first thinking point is that not all anger is wrong. Sometimes we may assume that or think that, but that's not the case. Not all anger is wrong. If we get angry at an injustice that we observe and we see and that motivates us to act, or if we look in the mirror and we see sin on the inside, and we get angry at that sin in our life, and it drives us to confess. Or whenever we get angry at the things that anger the heart of God, I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. So not all anger is wrong. Again, if we see an injustice and we act, if we identify sin in our life and that angers us, and we confess If we are angry at anything that angers the heart of God, that's not a bad thing. And that leads us to our second thinking point, which is there is such a thing as righteous anger. There is such a thing 
as good or as righteous anger. And if our outrage causes people to step into a loving and healing relationship with Jesus, I believe that is a good kind of anger. So as we think about anger today, there is such a thing as righteous anger. And that's okay. But guess what? We're not going to talk about that today. We're going to save that for another day, another conversation. We're not talking about the good kind of anger. We're talking about the anger that does one of two things. It either explodes out of us and creates a mess and offends and hurts the people that we care about the most. It either does that or sometimes we keep anger all on the inside and we assume because we're not exploding and we're not ventilating that that's a better approach. And I think what we all understand and know if we really investigate that is keeping anger bottled up on the inside. That doesn't help either. It just destroys us. And eventually that hurts other people. And so we're not talking about righteous anger. We're talking about the kind of anger that just leaves a mess. So let's dive into this story now. And when we left Samson last week, let me review just a little bit. He's already started to break some of his vows. Now, if you weren't here, Samson was a Nazarite. That's just part of his background. And Nazarites were individuals who made very specific vows before God. We will live a certain way. And there are some things that we will do and some things that we will not do. And they would make these vows before God. Well, as we walk through the story of Samson in week one and week two, we discover that he's breaking his vows. He's kind of just casting off what God wants him to do and what God has called him to do. And he's not paying attention to that at all. Last week, we discovered that he was snacking on honey from the carcass of a lion. Now, in addition to just being nasty, this was something God said, don't do that. I don't want you to touch dead things. But yet he's eating food out of the carcass of a dead animal. And then we find him washing that down with adult beverages. That's what he's doing, which God also said, I don't want you to do that either. We kind of ended the story and Samson's throwing his own bachelor party. He wants to get married. He found a girl. He liked her, even though his parents said, don't marry her. It's not a great idea. This isn't a wise choice. He kind of followed through on that because he wanted her and he felt he deserved her. And so he throws this incredible bachelor party. And what we found last week is that there's 30 Philistines who are there, 30 friends celebrating with him during his marriage week. But they're not really friends. I mean, they hated Samson and they hated God. But everybody's your friend at a party, aren't they? Yeah, and so they're having a a great time. And what we discover is that Samson is in a lot of trouble, walking away from God, ignoring the warning signs, just seemingly out of control. And this is where we pick up the story. So if you have a Bible or a device, I want you to find Judges chapter 14. I'm going to begin reading with verse 12. And I have a lot of scripture to read today. So we're going to let this story just kind of speak for itself. I'll walk through it, make some comments, and let's discover what's happening with Samson. He's at this party. They're having a great time. It's his marriage week. And here's verse 12. Great story, isn't it, so far? All right, let's continue. Samson said to them, these elite young men at his party, let me tell you a riddle. 
if you solve my riddle during these seven days of the celebration leading up to the wedding, I will give you 30 fine linen robes and 30 sets of festive clothing. But if you can't solve it, then you must give me 30 fine linen robes and 30 sets of festive clothing. All right, they agreed. Let's hear your riddle. Let's pause there for a moment because I want to point out, I don't think Samson's that great at math. I know, this is a bad deal. Right from the start, it's a bad deal. Because he's saying, if you can't solve the riddle, you're going to go out and you're going to find 30 outfits for me. Well, there was 30 of them. So that's one outfit per person. That's not a big deal. That's not that hard. If Samson loses, though, he's got to go out by himself and find 30 outfits. It's a bad deal. But Samson, Samson, he thinks he's invincible. He can't lose. That's just his thinking. And so he said, verse 14, here comes the riddle. Out of the one who eats came something to eat. Out of the strong came something sweet. That's the riddle. Three days later, they can't figure out the riddle. They're having a hard time. Verse 15, on the fourth day, these 30 men said to Samson's wife, how you doing? <laughs> right? That's what they say because they're in trouble. They're trying to figure this out. And so they approach Samson's wife and they say, look, entice your husband to explain the riddle for us or we will burn down your father's house and all of you's in it. That's just what we're going to do. Did you invite us to this party just to make us poor? Right? Not nice people. Not nice people. So Samson's wife came to him in tears and said, You don't love me. You hate me. You have given my people a riddle, but you haven't told me the answer. Well, I haven't even given the answer to my father or mother, he replied. Why would I tell you? And that's apparently not the answer that she wanted, because verse 17 says, So she cried whenever she was with him and kept it up for the rest of the celebration. At last on the seventh day, he told her the answer because she was tormenting him with her nagging. (laughs) We can all picture this, can't we? (laughs) She tells him the riddle. Then she explained it to the young men. So before sunset of the seventh day, the men of the town came to Samson with their answer. What is sweeter than honey? What is stronger than a lion? And it's interesting that this whole riddle goes back to something that he shouldn't have ever done in the first place. But that's the answer. They solved the riddle. Verse 19. Then the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. He went down to the town of Ashkelon, killed 30 men, took their belongings, and gave their clothing to the men who had solved his riddle. But Samson was furious. And I want to park on that word for just a moment. And if you highlight or underline or whatever you like to do in your Bible, I would encourage you to circle that word and highlight that, make note of that, because here's what it means. It means he was burning with anger. And there's fury there, burning with anger. It also has the picture here in the original language that his nostrils are flaring. He's really hot. He's really upset. 
Samson was furious about what had happened, and he went back home to live with his father and mother. So his wife was given in marriage to the man who had been Samson's best man at the wedding. And let me explain just a cultural piece here. This would have been something that would have happened in this situation. The father of the bride would have been completely embarrassed that his daughter was left at the altar all by herself. And they have family and friends who have traveled and have gathered. People have spent money on this week-long celebration and all the festivities. And his daughter is there to be married, and there is no one to marry. The groom is kind of taken off. And so it would be normal in this situation that the father would give his daughter to the best man in the wedding, and that's what he does. Chapter 15, verse 1. Later on during the wheat harvest, so some time has passed here, Samson took a young goat as a present to his wife. Now, I don't know if that's a great gift idea, but apparently in this culture, that would have been wonderful, and she would have been excited about that. So that's what Samson does. He said, I'm going to my wife's room to sleep with her. I want her now. But her father wouldn't let him in. I truly thought you must hate her, her father explained. So I gave her in marriage to your best man. No issues there, right? And then you get a really nice comment from the father who says, but look, her younger sister is even more beautiful than she is. Why don't just marry her instead? Verse 3, Samson said, this time... I cannot be blamed for everything I'm going to do to you. And this becomes Samson's life verse. Now, this shouldn't be anyone's life verse in here, okay? Not a good life verse for you, but this is what Samson begins to say. I cannot be blamed for everything I'm going to do to you, Philistines. Then he went out and caught 300 foxes. He tied their tails together in pairs, and he fastened a torch to each pair of tails. Then he lit the torches and let the foxes run through the grain fields of the Philistines. He burned all their grain to the ground, including the sheaves and the uncut grain. He also destroyed their vineyards and olive groves. Who did this? The Philistines demanded. Samson was the reply because his father-in-law from Timnah gave Samson's wife to be married to his best man. So the Philistines went and got the woman and her father and burned them to death. Again, not nice people, not good people. Because you did this, Samson vowed, I won't rest until I take my revenge on you. So he attacked the Philistines with great fury and killed many of them. Then he went to live in a cave in the rock of Edom. And what we discover after this is that the Philistines, in their anger, again approach him. But Samson's too strong, he's too capable. There's more killing, there's more murder, there's more death, there's more anger. And you just get the sense when you walk through this portion of Samson's life that he is not a happy individual at all. He's mad at the world, he's mad at the Philistines. You even get the sense that he's mad at God. But in reality, almost everything that happened to him was his own fault. It really is. Let's review Samson is the one who pursues this girl. Samson is the one who chooses to marry her. 
Samson is the one who chooses to ignore his parents' advice and the wisdom of God. Samson is the one who throws a wild party. Samson is the one who gives the riddle. Samson's the only one who knows the answer to the riddle. Samson gives away the answer to the riddle, which leads to a killing spree. Samson is the one who catches the foxes and torches all of their crops, which would have been devastating in an agricultural type of setting like this. Samson's the one who does all of this. He's the one. He's the one. And when you observe all of this, one of the conclusions you can come to is that Samson's anger is legendary. It's just legendary. So again, I want to go back to where we started because I think it's easy for us to walk through this story and to say, Samson's kind of scary angry, isn't he? He's got a lot of issues and a lot of problems, but that's not me. I mean, I may be angry here and there, but I'm not involved in that stuff. I'm not as bad as Samson. I'm not capable of that. But I think the question we need to ask is, are we? Are we? You know how this emotion impacts you. You know how it affects you and how it intersects with your family and your work and school and whatever it is that you do. You know these angry things that sometimes cause us to either blow up or even clam up on the inside. You know how this impacts you. So it's very easy to look at Samson and say, well, I'm not that, and I wouldn't do that. I'm not capable of something that horrific, but are we? And let me ask you this. What are some of the ways that anger has driven you recently? What are some of the ways? See, again, it's easy to look at Scripture and people who fail and struggle and even do that in real life and say, that's not me. I don't have that type of thing. But we got to throw ourselves into this story and ask about the anger that lurks within all of us and how am I responding? And I think the big question here becomes, what do we do with anger? Because we all experience this, let's be honest. It impacts all of us. What do we do with anger? Well, we can do what Mark Twain said. We could. Here's what Mark Twain said. When angry, count to four. When very angry, swear. All right? That's what Mark Twain said. So we we could do that. Or is there even a better way? Is there a better way? And I think from the life story of Samson, we can find a better way. And so I'd encourage you to get that sheet back out, get your pen ready. I want to share three steps with you that I think will help all of us, no matter what this anger is and how it impacts us, whether we blow up or clam up or something in between, how can we respond in a way that will help us to avoid the Samson scenario? Here's step number one. Identify those who have been hurt by your anger. And I would encourage everybody to do this today. And maybe you're here and you don't even think you're an angry person. Like, that's just not me. I'm really calm and quiet and collected. And if that's you, that's great. Just know anger lurks. It lurks. And so I would encourage everybody just to walk through this exercise and to identify those who even have potentially been hurt by my anger. I think this would be great for everybody. 
And then here's the second step. Seek forgiveness, not revenge. Seek forgiveness, not revenge. Seek forgiveness and not revenge. So hard to do. But I will say this, that if we really want to overcome anger, we want to have real victory. It looks like this. It's getting very low and humble and stepping before people that we have hurt and owning the mess, owning the problem, and not saying, well, here's why I did that, not trying to justify the action, but simply seeking forgiveness, which means I want to end this, and I want to move on, and I want to lift this burden, and I want to have real victory. I think this is the greatest step that we can take in overcoming anger. It's identifying those who have been hurt, who have been touched by our anger, who have been impacted, and then seeking forgiveness, not revenge, and not even trying to explain what happened. Just forget about it and seek forgiveness. I think it's the greatest thing we can do. There's one more takeaway, and that is it's never too late to turn back to God. It's never too late. Even if we find ourselves continually losing this battle, you know, we've got the gloves on, we're trying to battle anger and Maybe we have had some level of success, but maybe there's been a lot of setbacks and a lot of losses, and we've been knocked down in the ring. It's never too late to turn back to God. And uniquely, we're going to end Samson's story, at least our portion today, because I think he kind of does this. We're going to look at this example. It seems like he kind of looks up to God for a moment. And even if it's just a brief moment, it seems like this happens. And gives us a a glimmer of hope. So if Samson can do that in the midst of all that mess and fury and nostrils flaring and all of this anger, as bad as it is, then certainly we can look up to God as well. So let's take a look at this. It's chapter 15, verse 18 says, Samson was now very thirsty. Right? So after all of that mess, all of the anger, he cried out to the Lord And that's a significant phrase here. You have accomplished this great victory by the strength of your servant. Must I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of these pagans? So God caused water to gush out of a hollow in the ground at Lehi, and Samson was revived as he drank. Then he named that place the spring of the one who cried out, and it is still in Lehi to this day. And then we're going to end right here. Verse 20, Samson judged Israel for 20 years during the period when the Philistines dominated the land. And as bad as everything seems, and it's bad. When you really dive into this, it's bad. It's ugly. Samson realizes his need. There's this brief moment here after all of that mess where he recognizes his need. He looks up and he cries out to the Lord. An amazing statement. And so whatever is happening in your world relating to anger, just know it is never too late to turn back to God. And we have this great example from Samson who cries out to the Lord. He recognizes his need, and as a result, he's revived. 
Now, how long does this last? Again, we've got Samson causing a lot of problems. He's seemingly out of control. But he has this moment where he, he looks up to God and he's revived. He cries out. How long does this last? Well, you're going to have to come back next week when we finish the rest of the story. And I'm going to talk to you about what happens in Samson's life. I want to go back to the big idea, though. Big idea is don't be scary angry. So all of us have a decision as we walk out of here. And anger lurks. It lurks. And whether that's at school or at work or at home or in some store or somebody right on your tail driving behind you, anger lurks. It's there. And what should we do about it? Well, I think pulling from the life of Samson, we discover, look, identify those who have been hurt by your anger when that happens. And the way we do that is we seek forgiveness, not revenge. We don't explain it away. We don't excuse ourselves. We just own it and we get humble and low. And let's just remember, as many times as we lose this fight, which is going to be often, as often as we lose this fight, it's never too late to look back up and to cry out to the Lord and allow him to revive us. So don't be scary angry, okay? Father, we come before you and we're grateful for the example we find in Samson. God, we've been looking at his life for a few weeks now and we're discovering that he really made some poor choices. And those choices resulted in pain and hurt and loss and a host of other things. And it just seems like he is out of control, out of control. And anger invades and he's furious and there's death and hiding. And it is just a sad story. But yet, God, we get this glimpse today, at least, that there's this moment, after all of that mess and how terrible all of that stuff is, that he looks up to you and he's revived. God, one of the things we love about Scripture is that you include good things and you include some of these stories that are tough to hear and tough to know how to respond to. But yet, what we discover in the middle of this Strange story, story that's a bit gory and has some devastating things in it. That it's never too late to look up to you in the midst of our anger. So God, I pray for myself and what I face and experience this week. I pray for everybody in this room as we walk out of here. Anger awaits us. It lurks. It's there. So I pray that you'd help each and every one of us to just determine that we're not going to be scary angry. Help us. And God, also help us to do the hard work of recovering from when we get knocked down in the ring, when we lose this fight, that we would just identify those who have been hurt by our anger and we would humbly get before them and seek forgiveness. And God, even with those who have hurt us, that we would be willing to put revenge to the side 
because it doesn't work. And God, as many times as we fall, help us to know it's never too late to look up to you to cry out and be revived. So God, I pray that you'd use these closing moments here to revive all of us. Whether we're losing the battle with anger or we've had some episodes of that this week or maybe we feel we're okay. God, anger lurks, so help us just to use these moments now before we walk out of here and face the world and face life and face difficult things. Help us to be revived a bit here and to choose to truly surrender how we may want to respond with what you want for us. I pray this now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you call Valley Point Church home or would like to make a donation, please go to valleypointchurch.com and click online giving. If you're in need of prayer, we would love to serve you in that way. Please reach out to us at prayer at valleypointchurch.com.